0: I have loved the series on hope that Jesse has done. And so what I want to talk about this morning is the treasure of hope because it is an absolute treasure. And I am going to pick up a few points that Jesse covered, but obviously I'm not going through everything that he gave us. I encourage you, if you haven't heard the messages that Jesse has done over the last few weeks, they're on, on the internet, online. You can get them, and if you have heard them, listen to them again. They are rich. They've got so much in them that all, of, uh, all that we need is there and available there. So I'm going to pick up a few of the points, and then I want to get into an issue which is very important to me that I think we need to understand. So the first one that I want to pick up is that hope is an anchor for your soul. And without an anchor, we drift and we're subject to all the different tides and all the different doctrines and and all the ebbs and flows of life. And that's not where Jesus would have us. It's not where he would have us be. It should not be the case. Because you and I, through the Holy Spirit, we're connected to the creative power of God. We have full access to his throne room. And we can always hope for something better through his word, through his ways. And we have the power in Christ to bring that hope to life. And I want to talk about something briefly that is causing us to weigh anchor in the wrong place. It is causing us to get to be a people that don't have much hope. And we look at the world and the world around us and pick up too much. So, So listen... Too many Christians, number one, don't understand what God is doing on planet Earth. And it's spelled out, it starts in Genesis 1 and it goes all the way to Revelation 22. So I understand it's a mission. But there is a story in there of what God is doing. And the promise in Revelation 22 is he will bring it to fruition And there is no power that can stand against it. There is no power that can stop it. You and I have free will. Free will is an enormous power. But our own free will cannot stop God producing what he is going to produce. It does make the choice whether he brings it through us or through someone else. It does do that, same with, as a church. But the issue is we ha, are unique on this planet as the people of hope. It should come out of our mouths. It should be obvious in the way that we uh, live our life. And the other problem is that you and I have today, many of us are not aware of what is going on right now in planet Earth that God is doing. He is doing some amazing stuff. It always has been. Um, this world owes Christianity big time for the developments it has brought to this planet in the last 2,000 years. And we as the family of God need to know this. We need to understand this. We need to understand how enriched this world has been by our presence through the Holy Spirit, our being the church, uh, to this world. And it's still happening today and we are drawing from people's conversation and from the news and from anywhere else, but it's all over the internet. If you want to spend some time searching for it, you will see testimony after testimony of where the power of God is working to bring transformation to lives and communities and societies because it can't not do that. The Holy Spirit can't help but continue to reflect God's glory on this earth. And his choice primarily is that he would do it through us, his people. He wants to do that. We just have to sign up for it. So I want to encourage you. This Bible says don't be conformed to to this world be transformed by the the Spirit of God. I want to encourage you, watch what you feed yourself by way of media, movies, news, and also the people you keep company with. Because this can rob us of hope, and that is a terrible price to pay. So I don't spend a lot of time when I have a choice around negative people. I can't be bothered, it's not good for me, it doesn't help me. I want people that are going to edify me in my most holy faith. I want people that are going to come up to me and say, wow, did you hear about this, what God did here, and did you hear about what God's doing there? And here are some testimonies. But I also want people who when they're going through hard times of life and the scriptures promise us that's all of us, they can say, but yet I will hope in God. He has been faithful to me in the past, so I am trusting he will be faithful to me for the future. They're the people I seek out to keep company with. And it's very, very important. Next point, I'm just picking a few of Jesse's points. Hope is in the present. God is I am. Those two words, I am, is quite a statement. You can sit there for hours meditating on what it means when God says I am. But he's in the now. And often we fail to use the hope of who God is and our personal issues. Now I'm going to tell you a story and you can laugh and say, Bruce, that's so lame, that's so dumb. That's alright, that's fine. But, this is important to Linda and I see a lot of people don't know this but Linda and I had a little boy I know you think that's a miracle in itself but his name was Ollie and he was a budgie and we used to let him out every morning Linda trained him and he'd jump on your head and land on your hands and chat away we didn't teach him to talk but in his own language he'd chat away and we'd have a lovely time with him every day and he got sick So, of course, we laid hands on him and rebuked all the sicknesses and did everything. But for reasons best known to God, God didn't heal him. So then he was getting more and more and more sick. And then I could see Linda was away in the States. But I could see that he was suffering very badly. And I know how to kill birds. Many of you know my father had... Chooks all his life, and I know how to do it. But I I didn't want to do this to this little guy. So I was starting to think, well, what's some better ways that I can put him down? And and I was, I'm a mechanic, so I was thinking, I'll get a sack and put it over the exhaust of the car and then put, you know, so I was, (laughs) well, I I couldn't, I didn't have time to take him to the vet and go through all that sort of procedure. So then I'm sitting on the internet looking at ways, humane ways to kill a bird. And then I suddenly thought, Linda didn't know. She knew he was sick, but she didn't know this was happening. I suddenly thought, Bruce, you're going to the wrong source. Jesus says, I have the keys to life and death. So here was my hope. I stopped and I prayed and I said, Lord, my bird's not sick. You know that. I don't want to have to put him down. You do it. And I knew what was going to happen. I come home, I was here at the office, I come home that night and there's a poor little guy lying in the bottom of his cage, but he he had passed away. See, I know you might think it's a dumb story, but here I am on the internet trying to find ways to do it and I have not connected my hope to God that this is what I can do and that God is a very present help in times of need and he cares about the littlest things in life that bother us. And so, one prayer away, and that solved the problem. Now, listen, God is not my servant. I know that. I understand that. I am his servant, and that's a privilege. But we all have the hope that he will respond to that which troubles us. And he will, and he is happy and delighted to bring help to us in time of need. And we can't find this hope within ourselves. It's not available to people outside of Christ. The hope we're talking about is powerful and life-changing, as we've seen over the last few sessions that Jesse's done. But for it to be effective in our lives, it must come from Jesus. The source of it is God and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, and we have to draw this power from us. Otherwise, all we're into is wishful thinking. And there's no power in that. So let's go to a couple of scriptures. Speaking of Abraham wanting a son, Paul says, this is Romans 4.18, And hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So if we draw our hope from Jesus, it comes with power. And it will hold up even when our circumstances suggest otherwise. But this hope is based on who Jesus is. And it's based on what his word says. And it's based on the promises that he has made to us. It's not something that we can just draw out of the air. And so remember the four attributes that Jesse brought to us. Number one, God cannot lie. Number two, God is I am which means he's in the present. Number three, he is mighty to save. Man, I love that. All the power that's in that statement. God is mighty to save. Number four, his love never ceases. Beautiful, beautiful promises. See, this is informed hope. And we go further, and now it differs from faith, and don't be confused because that's where I'm going to go in the last part of this message. But um, it separates our hopes from just our wishes. It has power in it. It has Jesus in it. It has the hope of the gospel in it. And so it's not just wishful thinking. I didn't just wish that my granddaughter would get to know Jesus. I hoped she would. Because in the scriptures, it says in it's God's heart that all people come to know him. So there's a strong place to pace my hope. But I applied prayer to that hope for the last 14 years. She's 14. I applied prayer to that hope. I didn't just hope in vain. And praise God, it's happened. But see, so we might wish for a nice car. That's okay. It's all right to do that. But where hope kicks in is if the car we have is not good enough to fulfill the purposes of God, then we can hope with some power because we're lining up with our calling on our life. Third point, Jesus is our forerunner. Hebrews 6.20, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Both the good things and the bad things in our life can bring a promise of the future to come. Both of those things have contained in them a preparation for us so we can go from one degree of glory to another. They're loaded in there. We cannot avoid pain and suffering, but the amazing thing is our pain and suffering is redemptive. Our pain and suffering has in it the fact that God will cause all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is unique to you and I, brothers and sisters. Nobody outside of Christ has that. James says, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And as I have shared, that's our edge right there, as being sons and daughters of the living God. There it is right there, that we can receive the crown of life. And the crown of life applies to this age as well as the age to come. So one of the reasons hope gets robbed from us, one of the reasons why I've called it the treasure as it has been taken so often from us through a very bad, wrong, and incorrect teaching of the biblical concept of faith. So such is this hope a treasure. And I hope that what Jesse has said and what I have said about it today has given everybody enough to go home and wrestle with it and bring it back into your life. Be a person full of hope full of expectation, full of godly optimism about where this planet's going. It's going somewhere and it's something great and something amazing and something beautiful and God can use anybody who puts their hand up to help get it there. (coughs) So now I want to talk about what has robbed us as a body of Christ of so much hope to the point that it's hardly ever spoken about or preached on. And that is because we have raised so much an incorrect understanding of faith. See, in Luke 16, just let me finish here and then I'll move into it. In Luke 16, Jesus describes one of the attributes of hell as being a place without hope. If we don't have any hope, we're in hell on earth we're robbed and devoid of so much that gets us out of bed in the morning and gets us through life. So it is so important that we grasp hold of this message and this is teaching. But we are so confused between hope and faith that both of them have become casualties and both of them are somewhat disempowered of the life of way too many scriptures. So, I want to talk about this now, and I am going to give some examples, but I hope and pray I can make this as simple as possible. So here it goes. Everything we desire, everything we long for, everything we look for, everything we seek to change comes under the heading of hope. Now, if they're ungodly things we're looking for, they come under the heading of sin, and we need to eradicate them from our mind. But that's not what I'm talking about. Hope invades our dreams. It invades our prayer life. It invades our desires in Christ. It is powerful. It is significant. And it's something the Holy Spirit wants us to express. It's a treasure, as we've seen over the last few weeks. I hope to pass my exams. I hope the weather will be fine for the event on Saturday. I hope to get healed when I'm not well. I hope some money will come in to pay these bills. I hope my kids will come to know Jesus. These are very valid expressions of hope. They are what we hope for. Jesus wants us to be full of hope and bring these things to him. But none of these things are faith. Not one of them. They are powerful and excellent points of prayer, and they're all taken into account by God. He is plugged into our hope. He gives us our hope. But here's the point. And this is made so clear in the whole of Scripture. And this is where we are tripped up day in and day out. And sadly, we often trip up others. Hope does not and, in fact, cannot become faith until we have a clear, proceeding word from God. Everything you desire, everything you want is hope until God has given you a clear preceding word. So Peter gets out of the boat to walk on the water. Well, if any of you have tried, you'll know you can't walk on water. It doesn't support us walking on it. And Jesus tells him off. He starts quite well. Then he starts thinking, Whoa! human beings can't do this. And he begins to sing. Jesus rebuked him for his lack of faith. Why did Jesus rebuke him for his lack of faith? Because Jesus had already said to Peter, come. He had a clear preceding word, come. And with Jesus' word comes power. It's not subject to the laws of the universe. So if Jesus says to you, come, and you're going to walk across the river, go, you'll walk right across on top of it. But if he hasn't said, come, you'll sink. I'm going to tell you this little story, because it's true, I'm not going to mention who it was. There was a baptism some years ago, and people were praying, and the Holy Spirit was ministering, and the pastor there from Lower Hut was dressed in a suit, as many pastors used to do back in those days, Jesse, um, but it's all right. They don't do it anymore now. They, they look a bit unusual. Had an, quite a nice watch on, and he said, whoa, big gathering of people, about 150 people at the river, and he said, whoa, the power of God is here everywhere I believe I can walk on water and he stepped out into the deep part off the bank into the water and completely to the delight of everybody there sank to the bottom famous story, it's true, this is true some of you may have been there, it goes back a bit so you can't walk on water it can't happen he was hoping, hope, hoping he could walk on water but he didn't have a preceding word from God, so he sunk and got all his suit and nice tie and everything wet. See, it doesn't work like that. You have to have a word from God before you can call it faith. How do we get faith? Romans ten seventeen tells us faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God or word of Christ. How does faith come? We, get, we hear a word from God. And until you have a word from God, you have hope, not faith. You cannot say I'm standing in faith that I'm going to get this job if God hasn't told you you are. You're, you're in hope that you will. You've prayed about it, you sought him about it, you believe he's what to do. You cannot just grit your teeth and say, well, um, the Bible, Jesus promises healing and I'm sick and I'm not going to be sick and I'm going to take this thing. It's good to rebuke it, by the way. It's good to rebuke it in Jesus' name. And it's good to pray that God will come and heal you. But you cannot raise the faith to be healed unless God breathes it clearly into your spirit. Until then, it's hope. I hope to be better tomorrow. And hope's a good thing. Romans 5, five hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So hope will not disappoint. But faith is not the ability to get from God the things you need or the things you want. If it is... And it's presented at this a lot in Christian circles and on TV and in books and many other issues. If it is, faith is more powerful than God. I can get something from God if I have enough faith and God can't refuse me. And that message is blatant as that is put out there. And it's a lie. And it causes huge disappointment and devastation and condemnation because it just ain't true. And it's grossly unbiblical. We cannot create faith by our own efforts. Trying to only brings disillusionment. And one of the cruelest things we can say to anybody who is sick is if you have enough faith, you'll be healed. So if they're not sick, if they're still sick the next day, it means they lack faith. And brothers and sisters, we have put that message out there. And many people who are sick won't come amongst us because, in case they get prayed for and the next day they don't feel any better. And it is totally unbiblical. And it's time we got back to the scripture and understood that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. We cannot raise it up ourselves. Faith follows hope. In most cases, hope comes first. It doesn't have to. But in most cases, hope comes first. Faith is the evidence or realization of our hope. Don't expect faith to come if you have no hope. In most cases, it won't. But hope begins on the journey of faith. Let's have a look at the Apostle Paul. He's the master. He did, well, Jesus is the master, obviously, but Paul did most of the teaching on this, and tragically for me, it's Paul mostly that is quoted by the silly view of faith. So Paul says this, 2 Corinthians sixteen seven. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing. For I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. Here's what Paul's saying. I want to be with you longer than just saying a quick hello. I want to. It is my hope but until I get a word from God knowing what he permits, I can't tell you whether I'll stay with you for a long time or not. I have to wait and see what the Lord permits. Paul's clearly walking in hope until he gets a word from God that brings it into faith. And until he has that word, Paul says, I can't make that assurance to you yet. I haven't heard from a clear word from God. I know what I hope, and I'm praying about that, but I haven't heard a word yet. We get to a latter stage of Paul's life. And he makes a statement 2 Corinthians one, nine and ten. Indeed, we've had the sentence of death when in ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. So Paul says we have learned not to trust in ourselves. We've had to learn to trust in Jesus. We've had to learn to trust in the Holy Spirit. And then he says this in verse 10, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. Now listen, here's what Paul's saying. He got in a situation which is described in the book of Acts and they stoned him and he was nearly dead and he was all beat up and some people came and got him and rescued him and lowered him over the wall of the city and away he went. Amazing story. And so he is saying, my hope is that every time I get in situations like this, Jesus will deliver me. That is my hope, but eventually Paul's hope didn't happen. He was taken into captivity, and he was executed. See, his hope always, when he was in a difficult situation, was that Jesus would deliver him, but Paul never had a guarantee of it. He knew he didn't have a guarantee of it, and ultimately Paul's hope failed. Because the will of God was in a different perspective. Now, the only thing Paul ever stood on was faith when he'd had a word from the Lord, then he could be expected to say, I know Jesus will deliver me. So when he went to Rome, the two prophetesses bound him up and said, look what's going to happen to you in Rome. They're going to take you captive and put you in prison. Don't go there. And Paul said, I have to go there. I've had a word from the Lord. The circumstances don't come into it anymore. And he went there and he did get put in captivity and it was a very pleasant time for what prison was back in those days and he wrote a lot of the scriptures that you and I enjoy and get edified by every day. See, none of this has anything to do with faith. It's all hope. And this hope is a great treasure and we shouldn't allow it to be robbed from us. So we gain hope through who God is, past, present and future. We embrace this hope, believing it has been given to us from the Holy Spirit. It can greatly influence our actions and our decision making, but it is not faith until It gets infused with a clear word from God. Doesn't mean it won't happen. It doesn't mean God hasn't heard our prayers. It doesn't mean that I hope I feel better tomorrow and I might wake up tomorrow and I do. That's wonderful. And give glory to God because all good things come from him. But unless I've had a word, clear word from God, I have no guarantee because it's not My hope is not infused with the power that comes when Jesus gives very clear direction. Faith comes as a result of a clear word from God and that comes through hearing and hearing God's word and what we need to do is continue to feed ourselves from the word of God, through prayer, through worship, through fellowship with positive people. Continue to feed ourselves with those things so then we become a a vessel that can receive the faith when it's given. But until Jesus gives it, you don't have faith, you have hope. To his word brings it. So why do we prepare ourselves for it? because we've got to receive the faith when it comes. We've got to hear the word of God when it comes. We've got to lay hold of the word of God when it comes. We need to understand the difference between hope and the difference between faith because both of them are a treasure and if we don't clarify it, one will rob us of the other. Jesse, thank you for bringing us back to hope. Thank you for the message of raising hope again for the treasure and the gift it is. Let's proceed forth in hope and in our hope receive words from God, convert them to faith, and let's change this world. Father, we want to thank you for hope. We want to thank you that you shared it abroad in our hearts. We want to thank you that you call us to be the people of hope. Lord, we know the end of the book. Your way will be done despite anything that says otherwise. We thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.